welcome back everyone to another episode of Mini Med Pods. Today I'm here with only myself today, unfortunately. Shao is not here today, but she will be back in the upcoming episode. So today what we're going to be talking about is glomerulonephritis. It's a very common um, topic that's taught in medical school and I know that when I was in my third year, I needed to know a lot about this condition. Um, and it does affect a good proportion of um, the community. And it's one of the leading causes of chronic kidney disease. It's the third most common cause. So it's very important to know what this condition is, what are different types of causes and how are different ways it can present. So let's just get straight into it. So in terms of what the definition is, glomerulonephritis, it's inflammation of the glomeruli or the small blood vessels in the kidneys. And the glomerulus is the main filtration unit in the kidneys, and that's where the whole process of the formation of urine really begins. So anything that can inflame or cause damage to the glomerulus can fall under glomerulonephritis. Now, people who have glomerulonephritis can have can present in multiple different ways. So they can present as hematuria or um, proteinuria. They can present as nephrotic or nephritic syndrome, or they can present as an AKI, so an acute kidney injury, or a chronic kidney injury kind of picture. Now, glomerulonephritis is divided into two broad syndromes. We've got nephrotic syndrome and nephritic syndrome. Nephrotic syndrome, another word for it is non-proliferative glomerulonephritis, and nephritic syndrome is also known as proliferative glomerulonephritis. I'll explain why that is the case by explaining what this syndrome is characterized by. So starting with nephrotic syndrome, what happens in this case is that there's inflammation of the podocytes. And these are cells that surround the glomerulus and kind of control what can be filtered through into the renal tubules. So with inflammation of these podocytes, that actually increases the permeability of the glomerulus. And from that Pure, um, protein can actually seep into the renal tubules from the blood system. This is concerning because usually what happens with filtration is you can lose a lot of the electrolytes and small molecules, but proteins are usually retained. They don't actually pass through um, or get filtered through the glomerulus and into the renal tubules. So with this increased permeability, you can actually lose protein in urine. And if you lose protein more quickly then your liver can compensate, then that results in low protein in the blood, which is also known as hypoalbuminemia, which is low protein in the blood, particularly albumin. Now, with the protein being lost in urine and the liver not being able to compensate for that protein being lost, you have a decreased intravascular oncotic pressure because of the fact that there's not enough proteins. So because there's not enough proteins in the blood that can hold in um, the, the blood, what, what actually happens is this actually results in edema because fluid can actually seep out into the interstitial space from the intravascular space because of a decreased oncotic pressure. So you've got protein being lost in urine. You've got, as a result of that, you've got proteinuria, um, hypoalbuminemia, and because of the low protein in the blood, you get edema. So these people can also present with swelling of their lower limbs, which is known as peripheral edema, or any fluid buildup in any, in any other tissue in the body. 
as a result of the liver over like trying to compensate for the loss in loss of protein you've got this overactivity of the liver and that results in high lipid levels in the blood which is hyperlipidemia so putting all of this together nephrotic syndrome presents as four main has four main features that kind of characterize nephrotic syndrome you've got hypoalbuminemia proteinuria edema and hyperlipidemia in some cases they ha- they can have um, um, microscopic hematuria or like blood in their urine but it wouldn't be the predominant feature and it's not as common so that's nephrotic syndrome also known as non-proliferative now let's talk about nephritic syndrome which is also known as proliferative syndrome or sorry proliferative glomerulonephritis so in this situation what's what's actually happening is that you have inflammation again it's a type of inflammation that affects the cells that are lining the glomerulus. What that does is it actually destructs or destroys the epithelial barrier. And that the consequence of that is that blood is then lost in urine. So you have hematuria, which is blood in urine. There, there is also proliferation of these cells, which are called mesangial cells. And this is in response to that inflammation. So there's this reactive response. And because of that proliferation of these mesangial cells, this actually decreases um, how much blood can actually enter the glomerulus. So that decreases the perfusion, which is a, um, or the glomerular filtration rate. And because you don't have enough blood that's coming into the kidneys, you don't have enough filtration. So you don't have enough urine production. The way the kidneys detect this is through the RAS system. So the decreased blood flow is interpreted by the kidneys as low blood pressure. So that causes, that activates the RAS pathway due to the decreased perfusion and that results in high blood pressure. So there is this perceived idea that there's, that the blood pressure is low because there's not enough perfusion to the kidneys and that results in high blood pressure. Putting this all together, you've got the inflammation which results in hematuria. You've got proliferation of these mesangial cells, which decrease blood flow. So you have low urine output, which is also known as oeguria. And you have this reactive response where you've got the RAS pathway activating due to the decreased blood flow, which results in hypertension. So then putting this all together, nephritic syndrome, the presentation is characterized by three key features. Hematuria, oeguria, which is low urine output, and hypertension, which is high blood pressure. Some cases they can have proteinuria, which is protein in the urine, but again, this wouldn't be the predominant feature. Going back to proliferative versus non-proliferative, this explains why nephritic syndrome is considered a proliferative glomerulonephritis because it's associated with proliferation of mesangial cells. And that's how you differentiate nephritic versus nephrotic syndrome in terms of why one is proliferative and why is one why one is non-proliferative. All right, so keeping in mind what the presentation is for nephrotic and nephritic and why they're different, we're going to go on and discuss the different causes of each of these syndromes. So starting with nephrotic syndrome, which is non-proliferative glomerulonephritis, there are four main causes of nephrotic syndrome. One is minimal change disease. Two, membranous glomerulonephropathy. 
three, focal segmental glomerular sclerosis, and four, thin basement membrane. So I'm just going to provide a brief overview of what each of these causes are and kind of discuss ways in which you can differentiate it. So minimal change glomerulonephritis is commonly seen in children. So you'd see this nephrotic syndrome picture in a child. And usually investigations like microscopy would show no glomerular changes. An electron microscopy of um, the glomerular tissue would show fusion of foot processes of the podocytes. Minimal change does not progress to chronic kidney disease, so it's got a very good prognosis, and it's usually managed well with corticosteroids. And the steroids help to reduce the inflammation, which then reduce the, the, um, the symptoms and help to treat the inflammation. So the next cause of nephrotic syndrome is membranous glomerulonephritis. This is caused by thickened by thickening of the glomerular basement membrane, but there's no hyperproliferation of the cells because again, it's non-proliferative. So there's just thickening of this membrane um, that is based that basically results in membranous glomerulonephritis. If we were to do immunofluorescence on the tissue, you'd see diffuse granular uptake of IgG, and you'd see the spike in dome pattern. And this is very characteristic of membranous glomerulonephritis. In terms of prognosis, a third of these patients remain with this membranous glomerulonephritis. A third will remit and respond well to steroids. And a third will progress to end-stage renal failure. So the prognosis is very much variable with membranous glomerulonephritis. And you can attempt to treat these patients with steroids, um, but it's not certain whether the steroids will help in treating it because they might still progress to end-stage renal failure. The third cause of nephrotic syndrome is focal segmental glomerular sclerosis. It's basically what the name says. There's sclerosis of some segments in some of the glomeruli in the kidney. And it can be associated with certain infections or syndromes. So you can see it associated with Alport syndrome or HIV. And if you were to do microscopy, you'd see... Um, an increase in fat cells, hyaline, um, collagen, and you might also be able, and you might be able to see some segments of sclerosis as well. Uh, similar to the other types of nephrotic syndromes, you can treat this with corticosteroids, but approximately fifty percent of them can progress to end-stage renal failure. So again, the response to treatment is variable. The last cause that I'm going to talk about for nephrotic syndrome is thin basement membrane. This is an autosomal dominant inherited disease. And if you were to do electron microscopy on the glomerular tissue, you'd see a thin glomerular basement membrane, which is basically what the name is, thin basement membrane. This has got a really good prognosis, similar to minimal change, and it doesn't commonly progress to end-stage renal failure. So to summarize, the causes of nephrotic syndrome, you've got minimal change, membranous, focal segmental glomerular sclerosis, and thin basement membrane. Minimal change and thin basement membrane have a very good prognosis. Membranous and focal segmental have a variable prognosis. Some can respond well to medication and reverse the damage. Others can progress and it can worsen. Overall theme with glomerulonephritis is management is mainly steroids because you want to reduce the inflammation.
All right, so that's all I'm going to say for nephrotic syndrome. Let's move on to nephritic syndrome. This is your proliferative glomerulonephritis. And again, reiterating that nephritic syndrome is proliferative because it's associated with an increase in the number of cells in the glomerulus. All right, so the causes of nephritic syndrome. There's actually quite a few causes and subcategories that I'll go through today. And I'm hoping that I explain it in a way that's easy to digest. So causes of nephritic syndrome. We've got IgA nephropathy, also known as Berger's disease, post-infectious glomerulonephritis, membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis, which is also known as mesangiocapillary, and we've got rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis. Under rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis, there's subtypes, which I'll talk about when I get to that, and I'll talk about how to differentiate the subtypes as well. Let's start with IgA nephropathy, also known as Berger's disease. This by far is the most common cause of glomerulonephritis, and it's characteristically known as being synpharyngitic. It is synpharyngitic because the nephritic syndrome symptoms occur at the same time or a few days after an upper respiratory tract infection. So typically you'd have a patient who comes in and they've got hematuria, high blood pressure, and they could have a runny nose, sore throat at the time of presentation, or they could say, oh yeah, a few days ago I was sick and now I'm presenting with hematuria, high blood pressure. Um, so that's the kind of picture that you'd see, and that's when you want to think about IgA nephropathy, or also known as Berger's disease. Microscopy would show deposits of these IgA um, in the space between the glomerular capillaries, and that also will confirm the diagnosis of IgA nephropathy. There is one subtype of IgA nephropathy, which um, is very much discussed in medical school, and I was also taught a lot about this um, when it comes to children's health as well. It's called HSP. I'm going to try and pr um, pronounce what this what it stands for. Um, Henoch Schnonlin purpura, HSP. This is a type of IgA nephropathy, and it's got this um, quatrad of a rash that presents on the buttocks and lower legs with abdominal pain and hematuria. So if you've got a child, it's commonly seen in children, but if you see a person who comes in with this characteristic rash with that pattern of distribution with abdominal pain and hematuria, you want to think HSP and you want to think IgA nephropathy. So just to clarify, the rash and the abdominal pain is what characterizes HSP, and HSP can lead to glomerulonephritis, and so they can also present with the hematuria. All right, that's your IgA nephropathy. Main thing to get out of that is that it's the most common type, and it's synpharyngitic, and HSP is a type of IgA nephropathy. The next cause of nephritic syndrome is post-infectious glomerulonephritis. This is commonly a differential for IgA nephropathy, so there's, um, you need to be able to distinguish the timeline between the infection and the glomerular nephritis picture. So this is also similar to an, where there's an association with an infection, similar to IgA nephropathy. So with post-infectious glomerular nephritis, it's one to four weeks after a throat infection, and the throat infection is commonly with strep pyogenes. In addition to the nephritic syndrome presentation, Another buzzword of post-infectious glomerulonephritis is a smoky brown urine. Um, not really sure how 
how you can characterize that, but that's a buzzword that's associated with it. But one thing to know is that the way it's, it differs from IG nephropathy is that it's one to four weeks after a stroke infection. Whereas IG nephropathy is either the symptoms occur at the same time as the infection or a few days, like two to three days after the infection. To diagnose post-infectious glomerulonephritis, in addition to the history, you can do um, an ASOT test, which is anti-streptolysin O antibody titers in the blood. And that's commonly because the throat infection is a result, is commonly due to um, strep pyogenes, which can lead to post-infectious glomerulonephritis. So to repeat, to diagnose post-infectious glomerulonephritis, you can do an anti-streptolysin O antibody titer. In terms of the prognosis, it's really good in children, so it self-resolves in children, but the prognosis can be worse if it affects adults. All right, so moving on to the next cause of nephritic syndrome, we've got membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis, also known as mesangiocapillary. This is associated with an increase in the number of cells in the glomeruli, which is basically what nephritic syndrome is. And in addition to the nephritic syndrome picture, they can also present with hypocomplementemia, which is what you kind of see in SLE. So membranoproliferative is commonly seen in patients who have SLE. That's the association that I, that I have in my mind. And in terms of prognosis, it's got a poor prognosis. So um, not many, so it's not, in terms of recovery, it's variable. All right, the last cause of nephritic syndrome, which I'll spend a fair bit of time on, is rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis. So this is also known as crescenteric glomerulonephritis, and it's basically what the name says. It's rapid progressive deterioration in kidney function. And as a result of this rapid progressive nature, the prognosis is quite poor, um, because it may not be cached in time, it may not be caught in time or diagnosed in time or you know treated in time, but similar to other types of glomerulonephritis, it's managed with steroids to help reduce the inflammation. Histopathology would show um, this crescent-like appearance of the glomeruli, and that's why rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis is also known as crescenteric glomerulonephritis. So there are four main types of um, rapidly progressive GN that I'm going to discuss today. One is anti-GBM, which stands for anti-glomerular basement membrane, also known as good pasture syndrome. GPA is the second type, which stands for granulomatosis with polyangitis. The third type is eosinophilic GPA, which is eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis. And the fourth type is MPA, which is microscopic polyangitis. So I'll talk about each of these briefly and discuss how I distinguish between these different types. So good pasture, um, also known as anti-GBM, which stands for anti-glomerular basement membrane. This is an autoimmune disease. So what happens is you've got these IgG antibodies that um, are against the basement membrane. And this IgG response to the basement membrane triggers inflammation. The way I characterize the presentation is I think of the lungs and the kidneys. So a patient would present with the characteristic nephritic syndrome symptoms of hematuria, high blood pressure, oliguria, in addition to symptoms related to the lungs. So they, would, they could present with hemoptysis, so coughing up of blood, 
and nosebleeds. So someone who presents with hemoptysis or nosebleeds with a nephritic syndrome picture, I think good pasture or anti-GBM. Immunohistochemistry would show linear IgG deposits. And in terms of the treatment, you want to give high-dose immunosuppression, so IV methylpred, and you can also give them plasmapheresis as well, in addition to cyclophosphamide. The second, the second type of rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis is GPA, which stands for granulomatosis with polyangitis. This is associated with vascular inflammation, so this is a type of ANCA-positive nephritic syndrome. And in my mind, when it, the way I think about these patients is they would present, I think of sinuses and the kidneys. So they would present with that characteristic nephritic syndrome picture in addition to sinusitis. So sinusitis, a saddle-shaped nose, they can also have nosebleeds. But in my mind, I think sinuses and kidneys, that's GPA, granulomatosis with polyangitis. And they would be anchor positive. Staining would not show any immune deposits, but it's very important to know that this is one of the ANCA-positive um, types of nephritic syndrome, which falls under rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis. And specifically, it would be PR3C ANCA-positive. All right, so GPA, sinuses and kidneys, good pasture, lungs and kidneys. So think of hemoptysis with good pasture, think sinusitis with GPA. Turk straws, um, also known as eosinic, eosinophilic granulomatosis with polyangitis, or eosinophilic GPA, is a subtype of GPA in which patients have, um, these patients are those who have high levels of eosinophils and a past history of asthma. So you've got that GPA type picture in addition to this past history of asthma and blood results would show eosinophilia. That's eosinophilic GPA, also known as Turk straws. The fourth and last type of rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis that I'm going to discuss is MPA, which stands for microscopic polyangitis. Similar to GPA, it's also ANCA positive and they've got no immune deposits. And specifically, they are MPO, P ANCA positive. So very important to know the various presentations um, and how to differentiate between these different types of rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis. So one thing to know is that anti-GBM, GPA, eosinophilic GPA, MPA, all of these fall under rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis, which is a type of nephritic syndrome. So all of these would present with the hematuria, oliguria, hypertension picture. And there's other ways you can differentiate the different types. So to summarize nephritic syndrome, we've got four main causes, IgA nephropathy, post-infectious glomerulonephritis, membrane or proliferative glomerulonephritis, and rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis. Of rapidly progressive glomerulonephritis, there are four subtypes. Anti-GBM, also known as good pasture. MPA, which stands for microscopic polyangitis. GPA, which stands for granulomatosis with polyangitis. And eosinophilic GPA, also known as Churg straws. So that's a broad description of glomerulonephritis. From this recording, I hope you're able to understand what glomerulonephritis is, what are the two main syndromes, and what are the different causes that can fall under each syndrome, and how each of these causes can present. That's the basic summary. I hope this was helpful, and I hope that you had a 
it kind of gave you a good overview and some description of what glomerulonephritis is. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at minimedpods at gmail.com or you can follow our page on Facebook, which is minimedpods, and you can send us a message there. Feel free to um, listen to us on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and even on, um, you can follow us on Facebook as well and have up-to-date information about new recordings and new episodes that we put out. Till then, I hope you guys are well, and I hope this was helpful. And um, hopefully next episode, you will see Shana together. If not, um, one of us will definitely be in that episode. Thank you.